developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's January 3rd, 1911. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. The siege of Sydney Street, a standoff between police officers and wanted criminals, which took place in London today in history in 1911, had everything a reporter could dream of. Undercurrents of xenophobia, anti-Semitism, the age-old debate over whether truncheons were sufficient protection for the British Bobby, and crucially, a bloody gunfight in the middle of the East End. Yeah, so in the early hours of the day, Sydney Street had a row of police officers running the length of it. And the officers really didn't know what their mission was exactly, but they knew that it was dangerous because the married men had been excluded. And some of the officers were just armed with truncheons, but some had other weapons, including antique revolvers, tube rifles and shotguns, which were basically more suited to a museum than the gun battle that was about to ensue. And it wasn't just a police force of 200, but also the army that were there as well, a detachment of Scots guards who had been brought in to help at the request of the Home Secretary, a certain Winston Churchill, who will reoccur in this story (laughs) (laughs) as we tell it. Uh, But we should explain why this siege was happening, why it was such a big event in the first place today in history in 1911. And for that, you need to actually go back to December the 16th, 1910, two weeks earlier, when a gang had tried to rob a jewellery shop in Houndstitch. Yeah, the gang at the centre of the drama were all Latvians. It was then part of the Russian Empire. And they met up at what was called the Anarchist Club in Stepney. So it will not surprise you to know that they were all left-wing radicals. We're still not 100% sure of their identities. Many of them went by a variety of aliases and they'd moved around from place to place. But their ringleader went by the name George Gardstein. There were about 12 of them in total. They called themselves Lisma, meaning flame. On the night of the 16th, of December, an unknown number of the gang, including Gardstein, were in the backyard of a rented building behind the jewellers and they were working on breaking through into the rear of the shop and a neighbour alerted police to suspicious noises. So a number of officers had converged in the area and three of them knocked on the front door. As they entered the property, gang members opened fire, killing Sergeant Robert Bentley and wounding the two others who were with him. They then raced out into the street to escape and they were firing on the officers outside who tried to apprehend them. And they were armed only with wooden truncheons. And two of those were killed, Sergeant Charles Tucker and Constable William Choate. Uh, Guardstein was also fatally injured by friendly fire. And the story became a sensation, particularly because it evoked a debate about whether traditional British truncheon-based policing was suitable for the modern world. Well, the other sensational thing that began was that the Metropolitan and City Police forces uh, launched this joint operation to try to hunt down the anarchists, as they were being called. They were actually kind of Bolshevik supporters, and what they were doing there was 
robbing stores so as to send funds back to try to finance Lenin and the Bolshevik cause in Russia, the revolutionary cause. So there's this sort of blurring of anarchist and revolutionary that was going on in the media at the time. But then you had this this manhunt that then went on for several weeks as gradually the police, uh, first of all, started assembling information about who they were dealing with and then starting to try to track them down. But also this was just very shocking to British people to read about in the papers. You know, three police officers being killed is still the single worst incident for British police in peacetime. And so people were really upset. You know, we cannot allow this to happen again. And then you have the extra dimension that they were immigrants, that they were probably Jews. And so you have, you know, as you would these days, if people from other shores started opening fire on the police who weren't armed, the newspapers gunning for them. The Times described them as some of the worst alien anarchists and criminals who seek our too hospitable shore, which, you know, sounds like the kind of thing you could read in the Daily Mail now, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, the fact that this was all taking place in the East End, which at the time was home to tens of thousands of mostly Jewish refugees from persecution in the Russian Empire. And because Russia was associated with political unrest and some of the leading revolutionaries were Jewish, there was a lot of suspicion regarding these new arrivals, particularly the fact that you know immigration wasn't really documented at the time. Basically, if you could make it here and then disappear somewhere, that was you done. And there was a lot of conversation in the media about were these new arrivals bringing radical ideas and political violence to Britain? You know, would Britain become the new St. Petersburg. And there had been a rise in crime and violence in the East End during this period. You know, a lot of it, the natural result of having such a dense population of deprived residents. But then what happened in 1905 was the Aliens Act, which was the first ever attempt to regulate and restrict immigration into Britain. And it was widely perceived at the time as being specifically a response to the Jewish influx into the East End. And interestingly, Churchill, who was then an MP, was really vocally opposed to the act. He said it would end, quote, the old, tolerant and generous practice of free entry and asylum to which this country has so long adhered and from which it has so greatly gained. And the fact that the East End was so crowded with these undocumented immigrants did make the investigation really challenging. The police at the time had no Russian or Yiddish speakers. And so what they did was they had posters made up using photos of Gardstein they'd taken after his death. They sort of propped him up, took a photo and put it on posters in Russian around the city. And in the end, Gardstein's landlord recognised him from the poster and contacted the police who visited his lodgings. And there they found anarchist literature, guns, knives, fake passports, and were able to kind of start putting this whole picture together of who this gang were. Yeah, so police had a tip-off that brought them to Sydney Street in great numbers on this day. They were there to subdue Fritz Vaz and Joseph Sokoloff. They didn't necessarily know who was in the building at the time, but the two of them were uh, heavily armed with loads of ammunition and these pistols that they were. Ju- they basically just um, immediately started using as soon as they got wind of what was going on outside. And even though they were heavily outnumbered, because they were so much better armed than a lot of these police officers, they really had the better of the firefight and their powerful handguns both far outranged the police's inferior weapons and also they were rather good at using them. And hopes that police had as the gunfight got underway that the uh, suspects may not have a lot of ammunition were pretty soon dashed because they just kept reloading and unloading on the cops. Yeah, they had Mauser automatic revolvers and plenty of ammunition, which was pretty much top of the range Mm. for the time. And an attitude, you might say, of if I die for this, this is a cause I want to die for. Yeah. And they had come from Tsarist Russia, after all, so probably had quite a dim view of what would happen to them if, if they'd been captured by the police, which actually probably wasn't 
entirely fair. Probably the Metropolitan Police would have kept them decently and put them on trial. They didn't know that, though. (laughs) So they're absolutely going all guns blazing literally against them. And all around, you have the general public, because Sydney Street is right in the middle of the East End. It's a packed area, as we've said, full of immigrants who aren't necessarily living kind of four to a house, but 12 to a house. And so the police had a big job on their hands, not just to try and go after, as they saw it, these bad guys who were firing on them, but also to just move civilians out of the way. Fortunately, they did manage to remove the families that literally lived in the same building with small children. They evacuated them in the middle of the night. But nonetheless, all around were people who lived in the area and (laughs) the Guardian's report from the day very entertainingly details men who were drinking in the pub who'd gone along to spectate. I mean, there was a sense that this is going to be an exciting thing to see. ultimate East End entertainment. (laughs) Especially considering that all of this was happening in the morning. Right. It's very telling. And it wasn't just human spectators as well. There are cameras. This was the first ever police standoff to be captured on film and the footage would be played nationwide via newsreels. And at 11.50, Churchill himself arrived on the scene. And as Home Secretary, he was in an odd position because he had been a vocal opponent of the 1905 Aliens Act, but that same act had given the Home Secretary the power to regulate immigration, something that the crowd did not think he had done very well. And as he arrived, some onlookers jeered, who let them in? And Churchill would later be criticised for attending this scene, obviously, you know, very dangerous, very active crime scene. He emphasised that he wasn't there to try and direct the situation, that he hadn't tried to give any orders, but this in turn just made him look like, you know, a bit of a rubbernecker. He later acknowledged that he had been motivated by, quote, a strong sense of curiosity, which perhaps it would have been well to keep in check. (laughs) Well, once he did turn up with that strong sense of curiosity, he very quickly gave permission for the army to be used. And their participation really transformed the whole situation because they were equipped with these powerful Lee Enfield rifles and they just shot the floor that the two revolutionaries were on to pieces. First of all, forcing the duo to move downstairs, but also setting fire to the house. And Churchill actually directed for the blaze not to be extinguished, only for it Mm. to be curtailed. So he had in mind that, you know, this was going to be the moment that they were subdued. Yeah, it was a very gruesome and intense climax to the situation. According to the Manchester Guardian reporter on the scene, the soldiers had no mercy. They showered their lead into the smoke. A youth of the neighbourhood chuckled in unholy exultation. They'll be fried like rats in an oven. Solikov, I was going to say he ran out of luck, but I actually think he probably was the lucky one. He was shot in the head as he fired from the window. But then the fire intensified and the walls collapsed and eventually it became clear that Spars must be dead or at least unconscious. At this point, the fire brigade were finally allowed inside, but the Grim casualty toll was not over. A collapsing wall crushed five firemen, one of whom died several months later of his injuries. And meanwhile, the Liberals who were in government managed to quash any changes to the Immigration Acts that might have happened as a result of this very public armed clash. Uh, Josiah Wedgwood MP wrote to Churchill, quote, It is fatally easy to justify them, new laws, but they lower the whole character of the nation You know as well as I do that human life does not matter a rap in comparison with the death of ideas and the betrayal of English traditions. So let's all go to the pub and watch. (laughs) Tomorrow. The way that they decided who was on top on these charts was frankly bonkers. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 